Do you have a uh, college graduate as a, as a child today? Recent college graduate? Just remember, some of this stuff I'm about to say is uh, based entirely upon the student. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Um, Tom Lindsay at Forbes states that great inflation has turned transcripts into monopoly money. Now, what is this? A, uh, a student in 2023 might receive an A for work that would have entitled them to a C in 1983. That's great inflation. Now, the rates are higher in certain departments. Some 82% of the students in African-American studies at Yale received an A grade. 92.6% of the students in gender studies at Yale received an A grade. Only 7% of the Yale students in gender studies did not receive an A. And it's not confined, or excuse me, confined to the elite school, but is a serious problem throughout U.S. universities and high schools. And it's spreading. It's international now. And this is not a victimless crime. See, we got these students that are going to college to, to you know, really get really good at reading, writing, and math and, and learn a speciality, a special skill, right? A special field of study and they're getting grades and degrees in disciplines that they're not really qualified to, 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 to receive anything in. Grade inflation makes it harder for teachers and administrators to know who's performing and then that makes it hard for them to figure out which of their teachers are performing. And when these guys get out of school, these people, these young people, like the female that became the marketing director for uh, Bud, Budweiser, I wonder if she was a recipient of grade inflation. But now employers can no longer figure out between those who are best qualified or... Maybe hiring somebody that is unqualified or less qualified or to, to actually do a job. Do you want a less qualified pilot flying the plane? Do you want a less qualified surgeon performing your heart operation? All of that is what grade inflation guarantees. Now, I was lucky when I had my open-heart surgery. I didn't have a student. I had the instructor. He was the one doing mine, so I was good to go. But right now, what we have is systemic grade inflation. And this is going to hurt us internationally. And it's going to hurt the economy as a whole. Grade inflation will eventually hurt everybody and the entire nation. Now, getting the grade you deserve, that's called a meritocracy. 
And for those that are getting a C, but they want to have that straight A, well, you know, they do a lot of different things to get that A. And I'm almost certain that those that have been a recipient of this will resist going back to grading integrity, even though they will also eventually be injured by the unchecked grade inflation. Pretty soon, there's going to be no difference between anybody. There's not going to be a top of the class or a bottom of a class. There's just going to be the class. So that means it's going to separate a, the person who will eventually discover a cure for cancer or a real replacement for fossil fuel or a new form of art or, you know, so on. And the average student who is thrilled that he, she got a A for mediocre work might eventually die of a cancer that the unrecognized genius sitting beside them or her might have discovered how to cure if they had not been lost in the throng of mediocre grade inflated A's. Rate inflation, in keeping with the anti-equality equity movement, is, is not a just way to go. Now, few can deny that great inflation is a big problem. They're beginning to talk about it in the schools, even at Harvard. Harvard Crimson argues that the grades that have inappropriately gone up for decades must come down. And despite the fact that almost everybody agrees that a return to grading integrity would be desirable, it turns out to be very difficult to get this done. And it has only gotten worse since the 2016 National Association of Scholars article suggested that the era of great inflation might be in sight. So, what's up against this? Well, first of all, all the people that benefit from it, they're not going they don't want to go back to, to grading integrity. And, you know, somebody's paying for this education some way, somehow. And the administrators and the professors will find it easier to keep the students and parents happy by, you know, handing out the A's like they're pacifiers. Some brave university institute may, you know, may institute a mandatory limit on the number of higher grades awarded in any class. No more than 15% A's, 25% B's, and so on. And students will simply start going to go elsewhere where they can continue to get A's for less. It's always hard to be the first to take away the graft and the corruption. But if this is going to be solved, then there's going to have to be a way found to take the pressure off the professors and the administrators to take away that incentive. And to look at the parents and say, don't you want to know the truth about your child or the student? Now, there's a simple modification. Uh, right now, where it's common to give a student A or B or C on so on, they should be stated as a fraction where the numerator represents the student's grade in the course and the denominator represents the average grade in that class. And that is the reason little Johnny wants to receive an A in his math class is so that he distinguishes him from the other students in the course. 
But if he does receive an A, but the class average is A, then little Johnny's grade will be recorded as AA, making that clear that his performance is undistinguished. This is an attempt to change the psychology of the matter. But that's, that's, that's a thing that is going on right now. That's a thing that is going on right now. And we need to pay attention to that because one day we're going to be waking up with somebody that got an A. They're going to be doing a brain surgery when they should have gotten a C. I don't know how that's going to work out. This past weekend was Nutcracker Weekend at, uh, at, uh, at the Peace Center. And something happened for the first time in all, I mean, 10 years I've been going to this. And I'd never seen this happen before. And coming back to join us is the uh, is the director of International Ballet, Sarah Shoemaker. We're going to talk about what you guys did for the first time ever in the upstate of South Carolina with this this presentation of The Nutcracker. That when we get back, this is News Talk 98.9 WORD. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Joining me from the from International Ballet is one young Sheris, Sarah Shoemaker. I'll get the I'll get the consonants where they got to go. It's a tongue twister. What are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, um I I'm going to tell you something that was bugging me too or Saturday night when I was coming. I called Sarah and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it there. Because there was no parking, the the parade had just ended and everything, and somehow or other, when I finally got into the Peace Center, the Peace Center was busting at the seams. I had never seen that many people show up for the performance, but that wasn't the only night that happened, right? Correct. How many full houses did you have? We sold out three shows i mean it was just delightful wonderful exciting um and i will say i mean technically the sunday show had not a seat left like if you went on the website it says sold out friday and saturday had a couple of individual seats but there was no like it it was basically sold out you you could not have taken a date you could not have found two seats together and the single seats was like maybe five of them it was just remarkable I've never looked out over the, I was in a box and I've never mm-hmm. looked out over and seen no empty seats before. Yeah. It was, now, it was amazing. Now, the other thing was I can always gauge by the, by the crowd, whether or not they've seen this or not because of their reactions to what they are seeing. And a lot of people there were there for the first time on Saturday night. And how could you tell that Bill? By the react, well, like there's one part where they roll out with the uh, where the toy soldiers roll out the cannon and fire the cannon, and everybody that's new is always going oh, and and then when the, when Mama Ginger comes out, she starts dancing, and uh, little babies coming out from under under her uh, the the little dancers coming out from under her skirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been watching it enough to where I'm just watching to see what Mama Ginger is going to do for that whole time while she's got to look semi entertaining and. 
The crowd was losing it. They were just uh, that was they just had the best time with that. The other thing that happened is that you guys have been doing this long enough now to where you have created your own world class talent, which has gone out into the world and become very very famous throughout the world of ballet, and they are coming back and dancing for you on in the Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that is a very gratifying, fulfilling, exciting, um, inspiring thing to be able to say but also to do but also just to for the young ones coming up you know you you see a path you see that you can actually you know follow this passion if you have talent and go all the way you know leave greenville dance in companies all over the world and and we're still going to come you can still come back and dance for your home crowd people know you um it's like a full, a full circle. So it, it, it starts, I mean, we've been doing this for 20 years. We just had last year was our 20th anniversary season. This year was our 20th Nutcracker. And so now that's like the, the fulfilling thing is to say we've gotten to that point. We're, we're no longer having to bring guest artists who are new to us, don't know us, you know, but bring our own kids that we raised, that we trained here in Greenville and have left and come back and do our principal parts. It's very fulfilling. Now the and princi- should, and Greenville should be proud too. Now the principals, uh, you know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Mac and Kira. I can't pronounce Kira's name. Um, it's actually Katya, and her Katya. real name, okay. her full name is Ekaterina. Yeah, um, but there we which go. we call her Katya. And but she, here's the thing about Katya is she is born and raised in Greenville. Right. But her parents are Russian born, and her mother was a Russian ballerina who danced in the Tulsa Ballet Theater. When she um, came to the United States, her mother now teaches at the Governor's School for the Arts and teaches at International Ballet. And, and so Katya was raised, you know, here in Greenville, but has those roots. And so she's currently dancing in a company in Russia, but um, has come back twice this year to dance for us. She did Lost Still Feed last April um, at the Gunter Theater when we did it there. And now she's, you know, did Nutcracker with us. But she's, I mean, she's a stunning ballerina and is oh, yeah. really coming into her own. Oh, yeah. you know, well, I mean, she she and Brooklyn met met each other Monday because I was talking yeah. to, I was talking to Brooklyn Mac. I was like, "How long does it take you guys to sync up?" He said, "Well, we met Monday, and I mean, everything they were doing, and th- th- those two were really athletic. I mean, her, so. her jumps and her uh, her leaps and everything as she was jumping at him, she was getting mm-hmm. plenty of air, and he would just catch her, boom, just stop her, right, stop, arrest the arrest the momentum and and put her in the in the posture and." It was something to see. Now, the other thing that I found really entertaining was uh, I don't know what what's the part that Lily danced. The Dewdrop Fairy with the multiple dewdrop. flowers. Now, normally you bring in a more experienced dancer to do that one, don't you? No, actually, Bill. You know what? You would think that based on how good these girls. Well, are, I mean, I've seen, that. I've seen, I've seen in the past. I've seen more experienced dancers than Lily come no, in there to do. I, no, it's, it's, we don't use a guest artist for that role. We always use one of our seniors, one of okay. our top dancers. Yeah, but they're good. I mean, these the girls who have done it are they? They typically are all the the ones who are going to have a professional career. So they're on track. They're going to go to college, get a degree in dance, and then dance in a company after. So Lily's in line with a lot of people who've done that part before, who've done really well. And she's in a senior in high school. Yes, she is. Because she looked like she was thirteen years old. And it, well, she's a tiny little thing, and yeah. she's but she's just mature in her movements. And I think you and I were talking a little bit about how much it's exciting to watch a student take that next step in terms of taking their technical training and then beginning to own it and and make choices, artistic choices on the stage in the moment, 
that are more mature, you know, in terms of just the, the thoughtfulness of what the meaning behind the, the movement, you know, the, the joy and inspiration they're trying to deliver, you know, a, a younger student is still just trying to do it correctly. But you can see that transition with the oldest dancers, you know, where they're really interpreting their movement in a new way, in an artistic way. And, and that's fun to watch. Well, this one was a home run. I mean, I, I've, I've seen some that were really good, and I've always I've seen some where you've had, like, principal dancers that really stand out, and then mm-hmm. you look at the children, and the children, they're just cute to watch and everything. But this mm-hmm. time, everybody seemed to be completely on point. And if you've never been to the Nutcracker, as presented by International Ballet at the Peace Center, everything mm-hmm. there is live. The music mm-hmm. is live. The singing mm-hmm. is live. And, of course, yeah. the dancers and, and everything is analog and it's right there happening in front of you. And it all comes off really seamlessly. Thank you. Can I just say, too, though, like the, it's a team. It's such a te- Like you said, it's the live symphony orchestra, the live youth chorale, Greenville Youth Chorale, live international ballet. And that kind of collaboration is like, I mean, it, it's like a massive team sport. You know, it's like. It's like a football game, like a beautiful yeah. football game where everyone's doing their part. And, and it's when it happens and it's and it works, it's just magical. And I think the audience felt that. And so it was exciting this year for us to actually have sold out shows because there was it was not like literally what you just said, like bullseye across the board. You know, everyone's a lot of first timers out there. There's a lot yeah, of first timers the out there. Was there to enjoy it. Yeah. And we you know we love your Billy. You're so fun to have as a friend and as a fan. <laughs> Because, I mean, first of all, just thank you for the shout-outs and the promotions and all that. But it's really cool to have a guy, a man's man, you know, publicly saying ballet is cool. It's athletic. It's hard. It's, it's fun. You can open your heart and your mind to it and not be threatened by it. It's an art form that we're proud of in this city. And I just I love having you as a fan. You're such, you're such a great one. We well, you just guys, love you. You guys make it real easy for me. And, and now, <laughs> now uh, here's the thing. Uh, you've got swan lake coming up mm-hmm. in the fall or not in the fall in the spring yeah may 25th and may 26th we got two shows at the concert hall in the peace center again with live symphony orchestra and that is the that is the thing to know yeah. is that is this the first time you're beautiful. offering this or is this just the first time i've yes. noticed it yeah we have never done a full-length swan lake before we couldn't have honestly like this is the first year that we felt like it was even a, a doable thing that our organization has the has the tools and the support and the dancers to be able to pull this off and then um we think greenville is at a point in its growth where it will be ready to receive the gift (laughs) and hopefully we'll have two sold we want two sold out shows for swan lake which you know it's it's harder to sell out a swan lake than a nutcracker because it's not the holidays you know may is not december and so people are not in the same frame of mind but what we're hoping to do is just spend the next five months just really promoting it talking it up helping people understand that this is something that you do want to spend some discretionary dollars on because it's, it's never happened before in Greenville. It's very special and, and you won't regret it. Well, I've never seen that one. So I look forward to seeing that one when it gets here. And I'm sure given, given the complexity of what I know Swan Lake to be, this means that you're going to, you, you, I'm sure you've already got it pre-coordinated, but there's going to be some more world-class talent coming to Greenville definitely in may so definitely <laughs> first time first time we've had to do I've, i felt the need to do an after action review with sarah because this one was just so outrageously good and i mean the fact that that thing was packed when i got in there with all of that mm-hmm. traffic and no parking and everything else 
Wow, mm-hmm. that was impressive. I know, so. especially on the, the parade night, too. But we all managed to get in there. <laughs> yeah, you did. So my, my compliments to you, of course, and to all of the creative directors and instructors there. To Alina, I said hello. And if I don't talk to you again, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks so much, Bill. We appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. International Ballet, Swan Lake coming in May. If you've never seen one of these things, you owe it to yourself to go see the world-class talent they bring. Now then, when we get back... You know how much you're paying for that electronic vehicle charge right now? I've said it before, but there's a new report that came out that corroborates what I was saying. I was just guessing the last time. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Gene in Greenville. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? All right. Uh, by the way, I want to laud you. I, I had no idea that you were a, a man of the arts. <laughs> well, no, I, in fact, I mean, I'm going to recommend that uh, the first open position NPR has for a, a cultural uh, reporter that they hire you. Oh, uh, well, that's probably not Would you like happen. that? Uh, NPR, if they were to hire me, I think as soon as they listen to one of my, just one segment of one of my shows here, they'd be like, well, thanks for coming by. Don't let the door hit no, you on no, the backside no. I, going I, out. I, I, you can call me up. I'll say he's been redeemed, quote unquote. <laughs> ah, okay. Anyway, I, I wanted to comment on, on uh, the uh, discussion you had regarding the uh, uh, compromised academic standards that have been ongoing for quite a while uh, in this country. And I, we shouldn't find it surprising. I mean, uh, one of the things that fostered this, from my viewpoint, has been this esteem movement uh, that, uh, you know, uh, we're not going to teach you anything. Uh, we're going te- to teach you how to love yourself or to magnify your ego. And that supersedes all potential discipline necessary to learn language, to learn math, to learn science, on and on it goes. And it's just uh, totally degraded, I think, the, uh, uh, the capacity for, well, the younger generations here in America to be disciplined. Um, and it's really, really shameful. I, you know, I heard a couple of days ago, was it last week, and you might have even reported on this, how there is no, um, uh, the, the foreign languages are not taught in this country anymore. Very few students are learning foreign languages. And that's all part of this degraded academic standard positions that we have. You know, to study foreign languages, you have to have a, a good level of proficiency in grammar. Right. And I, I studied German and French. I didn't become proficient linguistically uh, because I didn't need it. But I was, uh, I'm, I'm, I, was a, I was a scientist, so as you can imagine, the order of language, the order of, of grammar appealed to me, and I enjoyed uh, diagramming sentences, etc. To Most people don't have, uh, I think, the inclination to do that, so therefore they're not going to learn a foreign language. Now, even our own language, Bill, our own language has been uh, uh, degraded. I, mean, I can go on and on with, with all sorts of things, but what really, uh, what really t- well, what I find peevish to me is when we say, oh, uh, as for you and I, we will, well, wait a minute. No, 
uh, like this is what the pronoun, your pronouns, you know, are you good on your pronouns? Ask for you and what? Me. First person objective. We don't know. We don't, we don't know our language anymore. No. Another word that disturbs me, you bear with me, is the word multiple. Oh, oh, I, I saw multiple people uh, on his front yard. Whatever happened to the adjective many? What happened to it? Well, you know, a lot of things have become trendy. And it seems to, I, I have noticed that it seems to take, uh, it, it seems to take hold in our syntax sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like right now, everybody, everybody I talk to, if I say, listen, I would like to get this, this drink. Every person will go, oh, of course, which that's not incorrect for them to say, but it is the trendy thing to say, and that's why they mm-hmm. say it. So if it isn't trendy, they don't say it. You know, I would say absolutely coming right up because I'm, you know, I'm trying to serve you and get you this as fast as you can get it. So I, I wouldn't be, uh, but I mean, what you're talking about when you're getting out there and you're doing stuff like verb conjugation, everything, some people find that hard in English. They're not going to do it in Spanish or yeah, German. Right, exactly. Exactly. And I, I, very, very quickly, if I may say this, I, um, I lived in Connecticut for a while, and I was affiliated with a lot, of, a lot of Puerto Rican people in the church that I belonged to. And they commented to me how the, uh, the street Spanish that's been spoken in these neighborhoods uh, is not even Spanish anymore. Right. Uh, you, they can't even recognize it as, as classic, quote-unquote, uh, Puerto Rican accent. So, well, I mean, do they speak more of a Castilian dialect? No, no, no. Puerto Ricans, no. In fact, if you talk to some Spanish people who are here in America, they'll tell you the Puerto Ricans slaughtered the Spanish language. <laughs> okay. okay. Listen, thank you very much for the call, Gene. If you don't call back again, Merry Christmas to you, sir. You too. Happy Hanukkah. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. All right. Recently, there was a, well, you know, I don't really, I, so let's just talk about that real quick. So English, foreign languages, all this other stuff. I had to learn German when I got to Germany because they wanted us to learn German. And it, it really didn't matter because in Germany they teach English as a second language in uh, in elementary school. And so we would go into these places and we would learn these phrases. We would learn how to ask for a, a beer and a sandwich with mustard. So it would be, Ich muss da eine Wurst mit Senf und ein Bier. And they'd just be looking at us going, why don't you just tell me what you want? which would make us laugh, but it was it was indicative of the, of the part to where, you know, we, we really lost a step as far as being the leaders on the planet. Nowadays, English has taken on its own new, uh, its, its own new uh, angles and everything else. And it's very much, uh, it's very much based upon the urban dictionary, which didn't exist when I was a young person. Anyway, anyway, that, that, I appreciate the call, Gene. Thank you very much for that. Uh, we'll get to the uh, we'll get to the costs that you right now. Even if you don't own an electric car, guess what? You're paying for one. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D.
GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Okay, I need to tell you something, just so you know, okay? So, uh, and uh, I'm going to try to put this in context. I'm not going to go too much in detail. It became apparent to me that uh, I was dealing with something uh, medically Saturday. And it became more and more apparent Sunday. Monday, uh, and this is this is a tribute to the absolute professional setup that I get to work with here. Monday, I did everything but pass out during the broadcast. And Maestro took care of that. And then Maestro himself, he went down. Now, what's going on with him is not related to what's going on with me. But if it seems in the next few days, if it sort of seems like I'm sort of phoning it in to you, this is because I'm fighting something that will pass soon. But in, in the interim right now, it is a little, uh, it, it's sort of uh, messing with me just a little bit. And I just wanted to put that out there because I I'm, I'm genuinely I genuinely have a good time every time this gets hot, every time this mic is 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 turned on and I get to speak through it. I have a really good time with it. And if it sounds like I'm just sort of walking through it, it's not that I'm walking through it. It's that I'm just trying to get through it. So, but that's going to pass in time. It's I mean earlier in the show today I was having a hard time and now I feel great. So, uh, you know. Work with me on this, okay? Just work with me on this. I don't own an electric car. I, I, it's not that I don't think they're cool. I think electric car is actually quite cool. It's that uh, I just can't afford one. And I don't want to go through any of the stuff that goes along with it, uh, you know, as far as getting this and getting that. I mean, if with an with, with internal combustion engine car, I buy the car. And there are gas stations everywhere. And if I don't want to go to my dealer to get it worked on, there's plenty of places I can take it to. Not so with the electric car. Now, the EV advocates would claim that charging costs of an electric car are equivalent to $1.21 per gallon gasoline. But it's actually about $17.33 per gallon of gasoline. But the actual EV owner is only going to pay 7% of that. So the rest of that 93% financial burden falls on you and me. <laughs> and New York Post, they write, This is socialism for the rich, a transfer of costs from higher net worth individuals to middle lower income taxpayers. It's the equivalent of levying taxes and fees on public transportation users and those who walk or bicycle to work and using the money to reduce the price of gasoline. Now, if an electric vehicle were forced to stand on its own, they would be a utter failure. And... Bad ideas and inferior products only find a security in a free market, rigorously controlled by the big government fascist. Now, if the market were truly free, an extremely expensive car that can spontaneously combust only works in a limited temperature range, occasionally malfunctions and locks occupants inside before rolling backwards into a body of water and costs $17.33 per gallon to fuel up, would be dead on arrival. As it should be. 
one day we're going to have we're going to have those cars that we're going to have we're going to have a car that runs on fusion or fission or some sort of a shun i'm not really sure <laughs> on the text line somebody texted me bill my daughter and five of her friends graduated Wade Hampton High School, all A's in honor classes. They all went to college. Only one made it past the first year. They were completely lost. See, that's that's the thing, isn't it? And apparently they went to a college where they actually had a standard because otherwise they would have just been passed along. But what does this do for somebody? that Getting out there and telling somebody not the truth is never going to be good for their development. One of the things that used to happen in the military, we would when I was an E4 and below, we would be given these payday talks. I've told I've told this thing before, and we would be filled with we would be just told how we were super soldiers on the payday talk by the by the uh, battalion commander. Then I made E5 because there would be a part of the payday talk where sergeants and above stayed, and everybody below the rank of sergeant left. So we thought that was cool, but then I in my first E5 talk I get to listen to, I'm being told how I got all of my people killed and how we would have failed our mission and this, that, the other, and now they're leveling with us. And they're telling us all this stuff. And, I mean, none of the sergeants had ever told me this. Even when I was on the E5 list and, you know, about to become one of them, they did never told me this. And uh, that you've got to be able to level with somebody so they know where they stand. And they can take prop, you know, depending on where they want to go, they need to be able to take proper measures in order to measure up to whatever it is they seek to attain. And if this is if this is not what's happening, what are we doing to these young people? We're not preparing them for life. We are hobbling them, hobbling them. So anyway, as for me, I'm going to do this all over again just because because it's fun. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.